hola, hola, my name is Ricardo, I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey kids, do you like professional wrestling? Well, we like professional wrestling too. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. Chris has unexpected guests no they were they were they were anticipated i wasn't like blindsided by the arrival of my parents they're in town because it's my birthday here on sunday ah yeah how how Um, old of a man are you chris oh goodness if i can 37 oh you're you're a young you're a young pup my friend (laughs) yeah no i know i'll be 37 here on sunday i just sound young i don't Yeah, my and I look young. My voice is like an octave lower than than my body looks. Yeah, so that's... years of smoking have done that to you. <laughs> you have you have the radio DJ bass voice now. Yeah, no, it's a, there. It is there. It is yeah. a couple of decades of uh, salting and peppering of my oh. uh, vocal cords. There, I should have drank much earlier, and I could have gotten a job in radio. Hopefully. <laughs> I, although my yeah, I didn't drink enough to damage my vocal cords, unfortunately. I still have the kind of high nasally voice that it's really weird that aesthetically we've all come around to the idea that we like the smoker's voice, that we yeah. think the smoker's voice is sexy. Yeah. And 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 can get you work. <laughs> I remember that those were notes I got when I had I still you know, I lived in the day of demo tape. So I was sending out my tapes to try and get a job in radio, which I thought was the pinnacle of show business for some reason was was playing records on on a, on a radio somewhere I, I just wanted to be a sidekick or something on a morning show that's all i really ever wanted aspired to be at one time and i'm like yeah you just you just don't have enough bass in your voice i'm like ah how do i get that <laughs> ah smoke six packs a day come back to me in three years kid <laughs> uh so yeah, uh, they're in town. 
uh they they came by here uh, a little bit early like they like like i feel like all parents they get up way earlier than the rest of us gotta beat the and traffic they were leaving from amarillo as as i'm sure we're all aware as american citizens one of the most congested arteries in the entire country is that Amarillo to Albuquerque stretch of I-40. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's just so much, so many people live on that highway. Uh, it, it, it could take years, uh, depending on what time of day you leave. Well, we discussed this. At any time your parents drive to come see you, they're always early. Always. I know. I knew I was in trouble when I, I was not sleeping super well last night, and I was like up whipped out my phone real quickly as you do when you wake up in the middle of the night you're just like oh, do anyone text me like because you know people do that all the time at three in the morning all the good texts come in then um and then i pull out instagram and i'm on instagram and like all of us i'm like looking at my story and seeing who looked at it and i see that my mom has already gotten on there I'm like oh shit she's they're gonna be here at like before noon this, this is how this is gonna go i thought they were gonna be here at like five um and I, I would have planned things slightly differently <laughs> in that. Well, uh, like, for I, example, Jeff, I wouldn't have necessarily tried to close the bar down last night. No. <laughs> 645 on a Saturday on a day of a, on a day of a football game. Doom, doom, doom. Hey, we're here. Want to go to breakfast? It's like I got rehearsal in 15 minutes for band. I can't. <laughs> Why are you here so early? Well, you know, your father got up early, and so we wanted to beat traffic coming in. Yeah, and I even, I did have a lesson that was scheduled at noon because, again, I thought I was going to be, you know, free at least till like four, and then I was like, oh, I have to bump this. So, that's how it goes. But I'm really excited to see my parents. Uh, you know, now, now that I don't live in the same state as them, and we don't see each other very often. Like, you know, it's it's just all it's all exciting to see them. You know. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree. I would, once once you move like far away from your parents, getting to see them it becomes a treat rather than a hassle. And yeah, I I, I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. Yeah. So no, I, it it's been good, and uh, we have um I cleared out the whole weekend, spent time with them. And then next week I'm going to teach lessons like during the evenings or whatever, but we'll still go out and do stuff during the day. And they got some friends out here that they're going to visit too. Oh. I think we're going to go and uh, check out the hot springs. Um, mm. Yeah. yeah. One of the best parts about New Mexico is there are many interesting natural water features, whether you're talking about like the blue hole or like Hema Springs or Ojo Caliente. Like if you like chilling out in a watering hole of some sorts, whether it's a hot spring or like the blue holes, just as like, weird circulating underground it's hard to explain it's basically 60 feet in diameter and it's an underwater like spring or whatever and so the water in the blue hole actually cycles out completely every six hours yeah yeah where can i see the house where they cook the blue meth <laughs> um i'm breaking bad uh, if you you know I, I don't know if you knew this jeff but that was filmed out here in albuquerque what no I, that's why i didn't make that joke at all no i know i <laughs> So it's, it's, it's a popular thing for people to like, just like bring yeah. up. Yeah. Like, did you know this, Chris? Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. No Jeff, clue. Did you, Jeff, did you know that things were filmed out in Los Angeles? Yes. I can show you different locales. Here's where the Vanderpump rules brats live. If you want, never mind. Uh <laughs> all right, all right, all right, one more like quick little anecdote from the week here. So I was at, uh, I was visiting my local dispensary and I was chatting with some of the people there. Um, and this guy who, who has also been a sales rep, um, was coming across the border from Canada back into the United States. He's a New Mexican resident. 
And he is coming across the border and he got stopped by U.S. Border Patrol and detained for several hours because the underling agent learned on that day that there's in fact a state in the United States known as New Mexico and that New Mexico is not in fact part of Mexico. Um, long story short on this this detention story, guys detained for like three hours trying to explain to him he lives in the state of New Mexico and that this is a New Mexico state driver's license. This border patrol agent could not get this through his brain. Finally, the supervisor comes in, looks at the driver's license, puts his hands in his head like, oh my God, looks at the guy, apologizes to him profusely, and then looks at the agent with the dude still in the room and goes, you are now going to go to Google and you are going to make me a list of five major cities in the state of New Mexico. Your tax dollars at work, people. I have jokes and none of them are ones that would go over well with our audience. So I will continue. Top story. Attention must be paid. Rest in peace to the Iron Sheik. Sheiky AKA, baby! A.K.A. Cosro Vaziri. Um, Dave Meltzer doing some excellent work this week with that uh, obituary. Going to read a little bit for you now and then discuss... Really, I think how he shaped a lot of Gen X uh, wrestling fandom, uh, or at least uh, affected it. Let's put it that way. Maybe not shaped it, but at least affected it. Uh, there, in many ways, the Iron Sheik was two completely different men. There was Kazro Vaziri, a great amateur wrestler who lived a Spartan existence. He was known for his natural rip physique from ridiculously hard training and a careful diet. Claimed he never had sex until he was 28. Claimed he never touched a drug until he was 35 when Jimmy Snuka <laughs> talked him into smoking <laughs> marijuana. The straight-laced wrestler billed as an Olympic medalist from Iran was undercard technical wrestling babyface who also never made any money from pro wrestling. And then there was the Iron Sheik, who was the opposite, a man synonymous with excesses in all facets of life, most notably drugs, but was but with the gimmick partially taken from the biggest drawing heel of previous decade, Ed the Sheik Farhat, and with the quote-unquote luck of the Iranian hostage crisis taking place, he became the perfect heel to face every baby face that was being marketed as an American patriotic hero. The irony is that only a few years earlier, the man who embodied the anti-American heel playing on xenophobia was actually the assistant wrestling coach of the U.S. Olympic Greco-Roman team. Yeah, uh, Iron Sheik was a legit badass when he got into wrestling. He was part of that uh, 1972 training class with for Vern Gagne that included Ric Flair, Greg Gagne, Jim Brunzel. Um, I'm forgetting somebody else. Very oh Ken Patera, that class of badasses who got into professional wrestling. Uh, one anecdote being very <laughs> he he thought drop kicks looked fake, and this got back to Vern. And so in the middle of a grappling match, Vern threw a shoot dropkick that hit him right in the face. <laughs> Bloodied him up. Yeah, uh, Iron Sheik, at least. You need to throw dropkicks like that. That's what I mean. I need more of that. I don't need I... anything off the top rope. I need a standing dropkick that looks like murder death. Yes, yeah. Uh, Iron Sheik for me, uh, interesting enough, because he was really one of the first guys I ever saw in WWF. I had been, of course, a crock. Crockett kid for years 
I watched the first couple WrestleManias on tape, and one of the first things I saw was Sheik and Volkov versus Rotunda and Wyndham. And, you know, he's doing the saluting thing while Volkov is singing the Soviet national anthem, you know, USA Patui, USSR number one, all that other stuff. Also, for for kids of my generation, really the guy who exposed kayfabe in many ways because he was caught in a car with Jim Duggan. Uh, they were speeding, but they had been getting high, and Sheik had cocaine on him as well, and they were in a program together at the same time. So when this came to news, everybody's like, oh, man, pro wrestling's fake? What? That kind of thing. Um. I both respect and feel sorry for the Iron Sheik in many ways because he he was a bodyguard for the Shah of Iran, uh, fled to America, you know, when, when it was clear that the Ayatollah was gaining power, etc., um, and 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 eschewed all that, including his his religion at the time. Uh, to then come and then represent everything about that, and use it for to make money. But man, his demons, when he became a drug addict and, and things like that and got bloated and stopped working out, you felt bad for him then. And then his daughter got murdered in 2003, I think. And that just broke him. And then these two guys who basically gave him his second life, but also were just using him for money. That that whole Howard Stern, Iron Sheik thing... I, I have complicated thoughts about that, Chris, because it definitely was him playing up things like saying anti-Semitic stuff and racist stuff and homophobic stuff, basically to to create a presence on which he can then make money, mostly because he spent all his money on drugs as a younger man. But I mean, but he also gained fame from that too, and actually kept himself relevant in some way. So you kind of can't knock the hustle at the same time. It's like it's kind of like a blood money hustle, though. Yeah, tra- yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I get it, I get it, and it's like shock jockey, and like, dude, you would especially routinely see him. He he would break the. I will, you know, do your woman. I, you know, that, that the whole break I'm, your I'm, back and make you humble. <laughs> right. I'm trying to like, even like do an impression of that iteration of the chic. That would be like, you know, within the rules of what we usually do this show. And it's hard. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, you'd see him break it and be like, oh, but not your wife. Cause I have tremendous respect for her. Like, just, like, which, <laughs> which would almost make things funnier. Uh, Cause you can see like, you know, ever so often he, even he'd be aware of like, okay, like what the fuck am I, or what am I doing right now? Like, what is yeah. coming out of my mouth? Yeah, he was also he was also, of course, the uh, the transition champion between Bob Backlund and the start of Hulkamania. Th- this to me is like when I think of his wrestling career. Obviously, I think of the Hulk Hogan thing, but I also think of the way they got the belt off of Backlund onto Sheik, and how much Backlund resented losing the title in that manner to Sheik. The whole Arnold Scaland thing. Yeah, I mean, Vince gonna Vince, number one. Number two, I mean... Backlund was mid. I love him as Mr. Backlund in the 90s, but like 1980s Bob Backlund, mid. Mid, very mid. Also, you know, we had this guy with the big personality over here in Hulk Hogan, the new... I mean, and Vince loves his new toy syndrome. 
You, you, you and I both know that he's always loved that. So it shouldn't be surprising that, that, you know, as he wanted to get away from, you know, Oh, the, the popular grapplers of the day, you know, Oh, I had Bruno and I had, you know, superstar Graham and, and, and Backland and, and, and our baby faces who were, you know, middling personalities, but well-liked and really well-respected for their athleticism, those types of things, as opposed to big garish characters that I can then, you know, market and, and really go for the bombasticness of professional wrestling and really turn it into a spectacle, which is really what Vince's goal was all along. It shouldn't shock anybody either, but I mean, and, and Sheik is just perfect because foreign heel slash big heel versus Hulk became the template for the Hulkamania run, be it stud Bundy, you know, uh, foreign menace of the week, Yokozuna, <laughs> what have you. And, uh, boy all and the other thing i just remember is is now that i've gone back and watched like i've watched some of his 70s stuff and he was amazing he's i mean he was he was dry as 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 sand in terms of personality but he was an amazing athlete prior to the iron sheik iteration but i also just remember that last run in wcw where he just couldn't do anything and and he was just there for a check along with like the junkyard dog. Oh, well, dude, when, when his knees went, it, it you felt so bad for him because you could just tell he was in tremendous pain moving around to any degree, like any bending whatsoever oh, of those the, knees. The gimmick battle royal at, at WrestleMania 17. Oh, also, goodness. Where, he could, goodness. where you knew he wasn't going over that top rope because he couldn't take a bump, but he still couldn't move worth a darn either. Um, Always also also amazing to me that both Duggan and Sheik eventually got into Vince's good graces again. I think Duggan even in less than a year. I mean, when that story got exposed, Vince McMahon read them the riot act at, at, while for exposing them. for exposing kayfabe. For exposing the business. Yes, right, right. It was about exposing the business. It had nothing to do with the cocaine. It had nothing to do with the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Boys need their candy, you know, all that other stuff. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not you're not embarrassing us because of the drugs. You're embarrassing us because you're traveling together. That's the real thing. Sheiky, I'm very worried about your mental state, and I want to make sure that this problem of yours doesn't go any further. I think it's important for me right now to take you guys off the road for a few months, said Vince McMahon, never. It's still amazing to me that they brought back Iron Sheik as an Iraqi sympathizer. Too. Uh, right when they when they repackaged him as was uh, Colonel Mustafa, Mustafa. I, I was like Colonel Mustafa, right? Yeah, yeah. He's Colonel Mustafa under Sergeant Slaughter. We're gonna take the Iranian. I couldn't remember if he was Admiral Adnan or if he was Mustafa. No, the Adnan was um uh, Sheik Adnan Al Casey. Okay, from World Class, I believe, or. <laughs> the AWA, one of those two. I mean, Slaughter's still the Slaughter's still the most amazing one of those. <laughs> Take this guy who's been an American patriot all these years <laughs> and use the invasion of Kuwait to get cheap heel heat on him. Oh, just an uh, amazing trip triple. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's that fine line between clever and stupid, where it it, it unfortunately arced to stupid, but like theoretically. Slaughter and the Iron Sheik finally aligning would have been a 
an amazing heel moment. Like the mega powers only for heels. Yeah, it could have been done. It could have yeah. been done a really interesting. Well, way. you kind of had it with with Sheik and, and Volkov being managed first by Blassie and then eventually by Slick when Blassie kind of aged out of the role. Uh, <laughs> oh, xenophobia. How I miss you in professional wrestling sometimes. I <laughs> <laughs> the the foreign menaces when everybody who was an enemy of america had to be a chief i'm not saying we need to go all the way back to nazis necessarily did love that imperium segment though oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh i keep thinking they're gonna bring in tozawa into that gimmick just to complete the entire axis powers oh man yeah, Sheik is a complicated legacy, um, a hard life. Uh, you know, part of the entire rock and wrestling thing. He's turned into a children's cartoon, which is amazing on its own level. Along with Piper and Volkoff and Giant. and He has a very fun cameo appearance on Kenny versus Spenny. Oh, uh, I've heard of this, but I've never yes. watched it. Yes. Yeah, you know, the who is who is a better professional wrestler episode is where he appears. <laughs> so if you guys are like looking for a tie on or tie in, go to YouTube. Uh Hots has all of the old Kenny vs. Spennies up on his YouTube channel in like 4K. You can watch Sheik on the Who's a Better Professional Wrestler. And uh Kenny also put out like a little bit of a tribute package to uh Sheik when Sheik died this week, which I thought was nice. I'll I'll tell you also, um there's a there's a documentary, I believe, on Amazon Prime about the Iron Sheik. And it it's, I think, three quarters an actual great documentary about him. And then that last fourth is the twins who now claim to be his nephews and how they've repackaged him into a basically a meme guy, into the, you know, the shock jock Howard Stern whack pack member stuff that I get sickened by, to be honest with you. But but the first you know, I'd say two thirds of, of that documentary or so are about the hard life that Sheik lived and, you know, especially going through the, the murder trial and everything else. I mean, he went into that courtroom looking to kill the man who killed his daughter. He had snuck a razor blade allegedly into the courtroom in his mouth like an old school carny mm. <laughs> and was ready to go after him. But yeah, uh, no, rest in peace to the Iron Sheik. Uh, Oh, moving on, there's no great segue for this. Uh, the top two matches for new or for AEW's Forbidden Door have been announced: Brian Danielson versus Okada and Will Osprey versus Kenny Omega. I need to give flowers where due. I thought both announcements of this via video package were quite well done uh, this past week, as opposed to last year's builds, which was announce the match and then oh look, Okada's here the week before the pay-per-view they're actually taking some care here chris and doing a bit of a build which i like that's for me yeah i i also <laughs> like did i catch you go to the kitchen <laughs> yeah you you actually did you like uh, i was like i was grabbing i was like i'm gonna grab my coffee before hawkins finishes this sentence and then <laughs> I didn't beat the clock. And like, here's the thing about live radio people. We don't do it. We actually pre-tape, but then we don't really edit. So it's almost the same thing. And, and sometimes you just miss these spots. You, you blow a spot here. <laughs> One day I'm just, you're just going to fall asleep while I'm giving an intro. All right. That, that's entirely on you, wouldn't it be? Oh, true. 
Yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta nail these intros. You no, gotta so come in need, hot. So I do. I need to repeat that, or did no, you actually? No, I, hear I what had, I, the, said? I had the headphones on. I just <laughs> stepped. I, I stepped. I wasn't using my microphone voice. Okay. Uh, Danielson and Okada. I think that the build for this um, is much better. I actually, I think putting Danielson on commentary every week has been a strong characterization move for Blackpool Combat Club. And commentary seems to be a very comfortable place for Danielson to get his character's message across. And I think, you know, the more Danielson can build up the importance of Blackpool Combat Club putting Okada's pelt on the wall, so to speak, I think that that only makes the intrigue for this match greater. Um, And I think Danielson needs to, on commentary as he's building it up further, just continue to talk about how impressive Okada is, which is why it's going to be so impressive when he beats him. I liked that they're basically keeping them separate for right now, number one, and but having the chaos versus Black, Blackpool Combat Club match go on. Yes. While, while, while Danielson also says, can you believe these are the kinds of guys that uh, Okada hangs out with? I also think it helps Okada in some ways. I have been told by a New Japan watcher who um, who, who informed me of this, Okada's kind of going through a slow heel turn right now in that he's getting tired of his chaos allies in some ways. Um, like I believe they, they included Tanahashi in a six-man group with him and Ishii, and he didn't want to team with uh, him. He's He's smacking around some young boys that are in chaos. He, he's slowly going heel and that this defeat may then in fact help accelerate that process. So I'm, I'm liking the layers to this, but I mean, mostly I just liked, I liked that video package they showed at Dominion and they reshowed it on dynamite. They're putting in some effort. I dig that. And of course, Osprey Omega, that story kind of tells itself. I'm really um, glad you gave me that context. though, on the slow heel turn thing, because I don't necessarily trust that I would get that on TV and that might be a hard one to get across on TV without giving away the game. I don't think they need it on, on the forbidden door pay-per-view. I think it's mostly, I think there'll be fallout from the loss and then, then he'll turn heel on, on a new Japan show. I don't think it's, it's necessarily needed, but they may. Well, see, I would say from a business standpoint, it is because what's your, your business, if you're new Japan, you want to get these American AEW fans who are your best bet of subbing back up to go, Oh, something's happened with Okada. It's not, it's not the same old Okada anymore. So I I actually think that this theoretically could be a really good piece of business for both companies um, and and build a little bit of intrigue around the storyline if you present the right way. But I I openly admit on this one, a little tricky because you just don't want to give away the game too much. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other surprise coming out of Dominion were the G1 uh, pools were announced. And the only AEW talent that will be on the G1 will be Eddie Kingston. Thoughts? Uh, this will be exciting for Kingston? Yes, that's that's pretty much uh, that yeah, my I, thought. I, I good, am... good for Eddie. Uh, I'm not necessarily... Yeah. I'm going through the bracket right now and circling all the Kingston versus whoever matches that I can't wait to watch and making sure I have those appointments on my calendar with links. I am a fan of Kingston, the character. I am a huge fan of Eddie. I am a huge fan of Eddie Kingston, the brawler. 
Eddie Kingston, the Japanese, um, uh, how, how, how will I put this? The guy who wants to do Japanese style matches. Yeah. Eddie Kingston, the Kawada cosplay guy. Yes. Thank I don't you. vibe on so much. I don't vibe on so much. No, that that's per boy. That was great. Um, yeah, I, and, and everybody's a little bit more excited than I am about it. It's like, okay. <laughs> And then the bell rings. No, yeah, right. For me, Eddie Kingston, and I'm not even saying, yes, I don't care for the matches. I really like him on the bike. I think he's a yes. great promo. And I can yes. think of so many different people seeing him interact with on the microphone where that would be compelling shit for 15, 20 minutes. Just those two guys talking. Um, I mean, Eddie Kingston, this is all just a thought experiment. Eddie Kingston squaring off against Roman Reigns. Those two guys on the microphone against each other would be electric. Um, and you could get Eddie Kingston going face to face with MJF would be electric. And then the bell rings. And that is, that's going to forever be the problem for me with the Kingston match is that Kingston wants to be one of, uh, were they, what were they called back, uh, in, in the nineties, uh, the, the four pillars, they, they were the four pillars, right? Yeah. Okay. They were also the four pillars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. He they want to be the he wants to be like one of those old school four pillars and yes his matches isn't that he is he's a Roddy Piper brawly type guy mm -hmm. and that's fine that's fine but he always tries to do way more than that and get a field from that and forget that like the thing that Eddie Kingston does best is Eddie Kingston's the character work stuff yes. and that the matches need to be in service of the character rather than using his character work to justify him getting twenty minutes as a Kawada cosplay. Young Rock canceled by NBC. Not really a surprise to me. Um, gonna uh, this is you... a tremendous and crushing defeat for old Novi, but go on, <laughs> Jeff. Yeah, I'm sure you were all over that. Well, I'm actually, a little banged up right now. No, it's fine. One of my former students was on on that show playing um, Lars Anderson. So I was, you know, I was very happy for him. But that production budget was was overblown because of the deal they originally made with the rock to get that show on there. And so once they moved it to Fridays, the point was to get rid of it. And they now have justifiable reason to, because the, the ratings just stunk. But I mean, they were taping in Australia and I believe in Tennessee and just the, the, the budget for that show far outstripped the ratings and they knew it after the first season. And so it went to Friday at eight 30 to die. So, you know, and also just Rock thinks he's a mogul. That that's part of the other problem here, but nevertheless. Yeah, Rock's a little bit of a declining star. We you and I were chatting about this before we got on the air. And he in my opinion, what Rock's been trying to do with his brand is try to make himself like a Snoop Dogg type character. Yes. Where it's it's like Snoop is now like a lifestyle. It's not even about like, you know, his appearances on Dr. Dre's The Chronic, right? They were so far beyond that. And The Rock just isn't that. He's a wrestler who turned into a successful actor. But, like, people still ultimately think of The Rock as, if you'll smell what The Rock is cooking. Yes. Like, like, yeah, and, they think of his 90 hits. And, his er, and, and every movie he must play The Rock. Right. <laughs> Black Adam, right. he's playing The Rock, you know, pretty much. Or, or he's trying to show range, but he's not. I mean, he, he's more brand than actor. And I think that's always been the problem with The Rock. And, and, and that's but, actually hurt his acting career, too, to yes. the point. Like, like the, his... His seeming uninterest 
in expanding out his acting range and he's now had 20 years to do this right like it's i mean yeah okay make some big cash in movies early on but like he made scorpion king he got paid he had time in in the late aughts and the early 2010s to do the indie film and you try you know do do all those things that sort of expand your range and make you a better actor well the Um, the funny thing is the, the first role that got him notoriety was in a dramatic performance, so to speak, um, it, it was in that Get Shorty uh, sequel, where he was playing a he was playing a, a homosexual bodyguard, and everybody, oh, look at his range, look at how great he is, etc. And then he used that to parlay that to do bad Disney films that he top lined, that didn't make any money, and then action movies that didn't go anywhere, and then eventually he he he'd start making real money, attaching himself to things with already existing ip slash q rating but it was never really the rock that made the money on those things that, that's the funny thing that people don't get like like i mean he, he he he's a great number two on the marquee he is he's a great number two on the marquee but when he top lines things would, would you say he's the guy who works with the guy yes he's the guy who works with the guy that's like no that's exactly correct to me or he works with the franchise or he works with you know the remake that has and I, some... think, I think the industry has kind of sniffed that out on him too yes yes yeah that, that's that's his other big problem is that like at you know initially it was a very savvy plan you know as you're trying to build your brand hit yourself to establish franchises or you know big companies like disney or whatever do those kind of use those to raise your star but at some point with that star you've got to be able to lead the thing Young Rock was like like one of like one of the few experiments that Dwayne's sort of done. That's sort of like you know using the star of Dwayne Johnson itself, and even then he it's like you know he's sort of in it and sort of not. You know, he's never he's never done it. You know what he's become? He's become Gene Simmons. It what iteration? The the Kiss Army, the Kiss This. You can buy the Kiss. You can buy the Rock This. You can buy the Rock That. You can buy the Rock Tequila. You do the Rock TV show. Yeah. Oh, Into, yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. Um. Okay. Which are these? Okay. Yeah. This is the one I want. Uh, Collision, the new AEW product is will be now shown in Canada. The bad news it will be shown on TSN Plus, not standard TSN. Kind of like the ESPN Plus app. Uh, this does not help Canadian sales in any ways, which are lagging somewhat. the The debut at the uh, at the United Center is is strong of course because chicago is punk land but the next few weeks tickets are lagging there chris i mean that's a that's not a tremendous surprise the, the, the way the way they have been rolling out collision is not maximally inspiring no um no and khan has to be aware that he's creating a meaningful rift inside of his audience too. Like, I mean, it's not hard to see it where it's like, there are people who still, if they don't love CM Punk, like CM Punk doesn't offend them. I would be like in the camp of like, I, I don't know that I love him. I, I think, I think he doesn't offend me and I certainly would watch him again. Um, And then there are people who like, hate the guy's effing guts, never want to see him on their TV <laughs> screen again. And so like, what Khan's sort of doing is agonizing them in this weird way right now. 
Like they are legitimately not enthusiastic to hear this guys in the main event. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, boy, does that not bode well for the show? Yeah, and I am—I'm I, I I actually say. shocked that Collision is on at eight and not six Eastern. Uh, I was legitimately shocked about that. It is going to get crushed come fall if it lasts that long. Yeah, with, with whatever the prime time college football game is, which always does monster ratings. That that'll be interesting. Uh, I'll end with this in the news seg- segment. SmackDown did a monster number last Friday. Uh, Three million viewers at the end watching that Bloodline segment, 0.73. And just to lead us into the Lazy River, I thought that was a tremendous piece of business, that entire thing. I know I know that there are some AEW hardcores who are like, eh, cinema, whatever. Oh, look at, look at how transparent or how transparent this entire angle is blah 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 i thought it was great for one reason and one reason only well not one reason only wait, but wait are people watching wrestling to solve murder mysteries <laughs> is this like is this like murder mysteries for second graders that y'all are trying to watch here I, I'm, I'm very confused by that take no please expound i, I don't have a problem with a storyline in professional wrestling yes being- somewhat transparent um in, in particular when we say transparent everything has to be the usual suspects and oh my god he was uh, guys are so these guys are so sad right yeah like which no, i figured so, out actually 20 minutes into the film but nevertheless you can just have properly motivated characters whose reactions are fairly easy to anticipate like okay you're watching that smackdown segment you, if you understand Solo Sokoa's character well enough, know that he is not quite there emotionally yet to turn on Roman Reigns. Right. And, and they've done a really nice job selling that story. And so when he turns on Jimmy, I knew that was coming, but it didn't, I wasn't like, oh man, like, like I don't, you know, uh, uh, what was, oh man this is so pretty. and i'm taking this in the vacuum of this story's long into the tooth and in the tooth and it should have ended in april for me like, yes. like we, we should have wrapped this thing in in wrestlemania but we've already talked about that multiple times now so watching this thing is a piece of business i like that i basically knew where this was going and, and the whole point in that thing is was the will he or won't he with jay uso and building that up and I, I just thought they did a really nice job with this and jimmy for his part um we've been critical about the slightly confused characterization of like Jimmy and Jay should be seeing this slightly invert, like like Jay should be in Jimmy's role and Jimmy should be in Jay's role, but it all works. And I thought Jimmy for his part did a really nice job in the performance. I thought Jay did a great job too. Because you've now been watching him and he's made his bed. And every time it's like, why do I have to lie in this bed with these idiots? Every time it's just like, okay, things will be better now. Things will be better. Oh my God, they're getting worse. And you can just see the look on his face of things getting worse and how much he hates it. And how it, it, the only, I was looking for a, uh, I was looking for a pop culture parallel. And the only one I could come up with on the fly was if you've ever watched um, the Steven Soderbergh movie out of sight based on the Elmore Leonard uh, book of the same name steve zahn is just this small time hood and then he gets involved with guys who actually kill people and stuff and just the look on his face as he continually gets broken and put in this deeper and deeper cycle of crime of which he cannot crawl out of 
that's what I'm seeing with Jay here. And I think he's doing a fantastic job as well. I think everybody's doing a fantastic job. Heyman is just an absolute sleaze and I love it. I, I can't wait for Friday to see what, how, how Solo decides to just kill Jay Uso, which is what's going to happen. And it's going to be fantastic as well. Yeah. I, I mean, it, or, or I think, you know, first it's going to be, I think Jay might have to watch Jimmy fight Solo. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which yes, I, I can't wait to watch how Jay processes this. He's doing a really good job selling torment. I, I agree. And and I, that's all I want. I want, I mean, it's a very simple, what I have to explain to my work rate friends is that a lot of wrestling is angles and promos and stuff. And yes, you may like your new Japan and your ring of honor, but stuff that gets ratings is this stuff. This is what American wrestling is. And I, and they just can't comprehend that. And it, it makes me laugh every time and, I'm like, and people want to get caught in the emotional crosshairs yes. of a storyline. Like they, they want to get, if the story is telling you torment, like you want to be able to feel the tor- torment for me, right? Like watching that segment when Roman was about to get into Jimmy's face, he's like, now you listen up and, and Jimmy just pie faces pie Roman. Face oh, that's so I, I actually fisted. Like I was in my apartment. I was like, yes. And like, 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 and I was like, Oh damn. All right. That got me. Okay, cool. Um, that, that pie face has so much more resonance with me as a wrestling consumer than a quadruple half gainer off the top rope through a table that both guys are back up in 15 seconds from no people get excited over commander <laughs> i'm not saying they don't like him <laughs> no but but I, I'm, I'm talking that, about for me with resonance I, i'm bringing, what resonates i'm bringing that up as a point because like like Meltzer on one of his shows this week goes you know what if you sit down people who don't watch wrestling and you have them watch that match, man, they really love it. I go, yeah, Dave. And I, and I love me some Dave Meltzer, uncle Dave. No, but, but I'm really worried about this, Jeff, because we now have this open question of is Dave Meltzer kidnapping people in a white van and forcing normies <laughs> to watch wrestling in his basement for his own scientific method. Yes. And it's disgusting to have to think about that on Friday, June 9th, as we speak. Well, I, <laughs> well, I also think, yeah, Dave. And when they see Commander do it three weeks in a row, they won't be as impressed anymore, which is what the wrestling consumer They're just going to ask to leave his basement at that yeah. point. <laughs> Can we please? I would like to go back to my family. I just want to I just want to hear knocking on the door while he's doing a show with Alvarez. What's on the background, Dave? Uh, <laughs> it's your turn on the lazy rooms. Um. Okay. So um. let me see here dynamite okay let's do let's do adam cole and mjf yes let's because this was top on my list and i have a lot to say but i will let you go on this Ooh, okay all right i'm almost interested in hearing your take first but i'll just like lay, i'll lay down mine cold here uh mine's at least more top lining i suppose um adam cole just they have this big problem broadly with mjf which is that nobody feels quite like a credible contender for MJF's title. And Adam Cole is, is yet another program that he's entering into that like, I think the, the real struggle for the writing with this is how do you convince these fans if, in parentheses, if they view being convinced as an important part of their wrestling experience, close parentheses, that 
MJF is in real danger of losing his title to Adam Cole. I don't see how you get there from here. And watching this promo, I did not see a pathway there. Like, it's not it's not that MJF eviscerated Cole or anything like that. It's just that I really struggle with what's that narrative going to be. It, it, the best thing you could do, based off of beat one on week one here, is that Cole wins this eliminator match. He's got that over MJF's head. And then for the next four weeks, he needs to have MJF on puppet strings. He needs to be, every time MJF thinks he's playing Adam Cole, Adam Cole needs to outsmart him. Like It's going to take a lot of narrative focus to get this one off the ground for me. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I agree with you. Um, I am far more critical of this promo than a lot of people in wrestling podcasting. And I was shocked I was on this island. But here we go. Both of them talked about crap that just didn't matter. And it ta- they talked about... Yeah, did you want to hear about NXT on Chris, Wednesday? Chris, this was half a step away from being you're only a wrestler because you're a crappy skateboarder on both sides of the equation. And I compare it to the Dominic Mysterio Cody tete-a-tete on Raw, which stayed in the bounds of the world that's been created on Raw. And I get that some people, oh, some of that noise is piped in, so it's not really that negative, blah, blah, blah. I get it. They're conditioning people. But as a promo, it stayed on target. This thing. Dude, the steroids comment was uh, really, it's so hard to get the steroids comment to connect back to my initial concern, right? Of how do you convince me that MJF is in serious risk of losing to Adam Cole when Adam Cole's like, you're on steroids and I'm not. Yeah, well, well, and, and he's younger than you too. Cool, man. You got you got him. Go oh, get him, Adam. I, I could not believe that. I can't believe that they made it about Vince McMahon and what he thought of Adam Cole. The whole Keith Lee thing. I can't believe that they made it about Vince not thinking Adam Cole was much. I can't believe they brought up the body thing with, with Adam Cole. I, I can't believe that... And I it's can't just believe that like, okay, Cole do you, hold on backwards. Oh, you go ahead. But let, yeah, me, I, let me let me just finish finish the, just this ranting a little bit here. They made this about 
nobody in the back respects you, MJF. And MJF saying, I have good matches and good promos. And none of that crap matters in the kayfabe world of wrestling where all MJF had to do is goes, I don't need their respect because the I champion. have the title. And the fact is, he does have good... Adam Cole here is lying because he just beat three of the biggest contenders to his title in a four-way match. He's He won the dog collar no he lost the dog collar match but he won the uh he won the uh Iron Man said, match yeah and it's it's Lord like of- one of those things where nobody nobody really i mean they're turning him into the main event honky tonk man and people don't want their champ to be that he can be conniving and cheat occasionally and you can say nobody respects him but at the end of the day you know you got to make him Rick Flair the dirtiest player in the game more than the Miz with a belt. And I, I, I'm just I'm just seeing this, and every time they build this up, it's, oh, he sucks as a champion, so there's no way he's going to find a way out of this one against a much superior wrestler. And I just think that is a boring way to, to in, in this day and age, to build, to build the title. What they want to see is two great people at the top of their game and who's going to come out on top. And unfortunately, because it's, well, MJF's not as good a worker as everybody. It's like, that doesn't, that's, that's not, I mean, no, no offense to to Kenny and, and Will. I'm far more interested in the Adam Cole versus MJF match because it's for the top title. So it, it's one of those things where it's like, we're basically crapping on our product between how we talk about the two main guys for the main title in here. We're talking about Vince McMahon and the WWE and steroids. And can this guy cut a good promo and can he work a good match? And we're dropping Easter eggs to the carrying cross promo. And I'm just like, these guys are so gotten to about online criticism and the WWE as just, as just the major player in here that they can't build a basic wrestling feud based on what's going on on their own show. Yes. So to bring the circle back to some of those narrative points that you brought up, I, I think the solid test in all of this stuff is when you see Adam Cole say, or when you see MJF say something about Keith Lee, you need to stop and go like, okay, Keith Lee is a narrative point. How would that possibly build yes. intrigue to me believing that Adam Cole is going to defeat MJF? And the answer is you can't. Vince McMahon thinks you got a small body. How does that build intrigue to the notion that Adam Cole can beat MJF or build a narrative path to that? It doesn't. You're on steroids, MJF, and I am a twig man. How does this build intrigue to the notion that Adam Cole could beat MJF? It doesn't like, and this is a regular feature in a lot of these MJF promos stuff. Oh, and oh, here's another one. MJF, you are loveless and no woman will ever love you. How does that build (laughs) intrigue to the notion that Adam Cole is going to beat MJF? How does it build a narrative to that? Is, is Adam Cole and Roderick Strong going to torment and catfish MJF on Tinder for several weeks here in the lead up to this match to play head games. Uh, play into MJF's love, Lorne lovelessness as a champion. Um, I don't think so. And this is a regular problem in a lot of these MJF promos where they go out 
as you say, they say stuff that would be on wrestling Reddit or on Twitter um, or on like Meltzer's dirt sheet and they need to comment on it and they need to work it in. And they like, they're dead wrong in the notion that the 3 million people who watch SmackDown, who you're trying to get to watch other stuff, um, give a lot of a crap about Vince McMahon thinking that Adam Cole's got a small body. <laughs> like they yeah. don't, they don't care. And even if they cared about that, which they don't, that wouldn't get them to, oh man, can't wait to see Adam Cole beat MJF. I'm pretty sure he's got this dude's number. I mean, if MJF goes, look, you've obviously lost some muscle because you were injured all this time. Are you sure now's the time you want to come and beat me up? And, and, and Adam Cole goes, I'm a good enough wrestler where I don't need to be in peak physical form to beat you. Oh, look, that's within storyline. That's what we can get behind. But instead, we're making instead you're on steroids and your body's not natural. What's he going to do? Rip out the cord from MJF's back like he's Bane? Yes, I know. Sometime during the title match, it's like, yeah, he pulls out a cord that's a steroids cord that goes to MJF. Oh, no. MJF is screwing with his body chemistry to look more cosmetically pleasing. Whatever will I do? This champion (laughs) is trying to be in the best possible shape he can during his peak title run. Huh? Yeah. Oh, thank you, Adam Cole. I, I will boo this cheater now. Um... Yeah, I just no. The, I, the the only thing that I thought was remotely effective in that promo, in terms of a get there to, I could see, you know, not not that I actually can, but just like serving in the arc of how does Adam Cole beat MJF was the outsmarting. Um, it's the thing that they have at least done a halfway decent job with in the characterization of Adam Cole as a baby face. He's a smart baby face. He yes. outsmarts his yes. his heel opponents. I like that. I like that. They have to stay disciplined on that, but that's potentially very interesting. All these years of being a heel for him and Roddy have taught these guys how to not be dumbasses um, and how to outsmart some of these heels they're up against. It's not always going to give them the advantage because, you know, like they, they'll, they now have moral imperatives and stuff that would limit them from going and cheating and doing dastardly stuff, but they're still smart enough to be one step ahead sometimes of their heel nemesis. Well, it's the whole, if he takes it going, that's interesting. It takes a thief to catch a thief. And it's like Adam Cole has been one of the premier heels. Even if we have some criticisms about his promos, you know, that he has like one and that's it. But I mean, in terms of his two matches, but yeah. Yeah. And in terms of his NXT style, but he has been the premier heel. So he should be able, he should know all the tricks of the trade to be able to get MJF you know, hot and bothered that that's, that's the appeal of him as a kind of a cocky baby face here. So yes, that's exactly what I want. And yeah, they should continue with that in this feud. And it's just him sitting there and just getting, I, I did like the, uh, was it the, uh, Oh, the, 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 the game boy, uh, the, the line about the video games was smart. I, I liked that. It was a, it was a fun little cut down line. The problem is we then continued into Vince McMahon didn't see much in you. So that means you can... But then again, it's like the video games line. Okay. How does that get us there? I don't know. And you're, they, you're correct they, on that. They just like to say hot potato stuff, um, but they don't necessarily think about what all these little like hot zingers are getting you. And in a lot of cases, they don't get you much of anything or they don't 
connect together or federate federate together in a way that's particularly useful. And they're they're thinking three beats ahead of everybody else here, thinking that everybody's going to get mad that you're mentioning all that. See, Vince McMahon didn't see anything in you, but we, the AEW Collective, no, that's not true. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and we like him a lot. You know that kind of thing, and you're just like. No, what you're saying is H is that you think he sucks and the other company thinks he sucks. And I you're expecting then the crowd to get this crowd swell of that's not true. Vince McMahon was wrong. <laughs> and you got them going, well, maybe he's right. <laughs> he is frail. He is small. Maybe he should have been a manager of Keith Lee, kind of a thing. Not a lot of people, but just people who don't obsessively go on Twitter and follow every single beat of wrestling news. I mean, everything on, on TV should be whatever you want to build in this world and everything important should be on there. So it's, it's one of those, you know, it's one of those things that I, I view in conditioning that I just go, they just were working against themselves with the, the tone of this promo. And I know that there are other podcasts out here. that are going to tell me how wrong I am, but they're all in the bubble. I'm I'm looking at it this from somebody who who, you know, is looking at this as a TV show, and and thinking, <laughs> and Mr. White, you can't act. What? Where did that come from? That kind of a thing. So you're, yeah. you're watching The Simpsons and like Homer real quickly tells some character that they're poorly written. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Apu, you used to be voiced by a white man. <laughs> I just don't think you're a very good weekly character for this show. Yeah, I think you're problematic. Cowabunga, dude! <laughs> uh, I, I I took a lot of your your bit there, so I'll let you go next. Um, no, I, I mean I did I, the the Adam Cole one was was like the the big thing from Dynamite. Um, what else on here? Um, uh, I think I mean I see where the Jack Perry and Hook thing is going makes sense um ricky starks and jay white's like the feud that just won't end huh (laughs) Uh, it's so funny that they're using every week i somehow manage to care less they're using ricky starks to get jay white to see him punk that's what's fascinating to me it's like if i'm ricky starks i'm freaking livid man like what am i getting out of any of this this really is idiotic. It, it, it's it's idiotic to cannibalize Ricky Starks to build up Jay White as a challenger to CM Punk when you could just airdrop him on Collision, the show that, let's be real, about 400,000 people on average are going to watch. I'm, I'm kind of here for the guns being part of the Bullet Club. Yes. Yes. I, I think that, that would be a strong move since we're not... Gonna... Except that it, it just like further lower rents that entire faction. Like, well, like, yeah, I mean... It does, but you're... The value but, on this faction keeps dropping is all Well, your, your alternative is we're going to re- repackage the firm, which it seems we have already. Even though Ethan Page is now with Matt Hardy, he's going to be teaming with his old mates in the firm. <laughs> I just... Yeah, I, I find that... Uh, Weird. I'll I'll uh, I'll do a certain program like just as a wrap on AEW for me. Certain programs are somewhat coherent on this show, but then you like look at a group like the firm and you're like, what the hell are these guys doing, and what have they been doing for like literally months? Well, let me give some flowers to Dynamite for moving away from that because I really liked the Swerve Strickland Orange Casting match. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, and, and we were talking about this before the show. You're like, guess who's going to be on the G1? And I, I actually, I was only half joking when I said Swerve Strickland. Like, I didn't think he was actually going to be on there. But if you're asking me who would actually be a guy I would legitimately be interested in seeing in the G1 have his style of match against that roster, Strickland. I like him a lot. Uh, I, I always have. And I think Cassidy is continuing to do really good stuff. And I think there were little things that I liked just in the in, to bookend this match. I liked that the Mogul affiliates were out there for Swerve to then go to the ring. And it was just kind of, uh, you know, it was kind of Nana and Swerve just walking, but through the gates of agony and, and Brian Cage. And then I really just like the simplicity of the beatdown after the match. There aren't enough stables that just do a simple punch kick trying to just stomp a mud hole into a guy after after a, a thing to just just take out their frustrations that they didn't win as opposed to doing moves and stuff. I just like the simple beatdown of Orange Cassidy after this match. I, I But the match itself was just sublime. I, I absolutely... Uh, Orange Cassidy, they have their formula. They may be running it into the ground a bit with an Orange Cassidy match every week where he just gets demolished even further and then but this somehow... is such a more interesting formula than what they were doing with him and it's a really nice evolution of the character and the ending was clever where swerve tries to grab the, the tights and then orange cassie immediately grabs the tights right back i mean look I, I i know we like our baby faces pure but i just like that in the moment he decided oh you're gonna try that i'm gonna do that too yeah and what we have been getting slowly with cassidy and again, it's signs that there might be some like sense of long-term storytelling with some of these characters. Cassidy, when his back has been up against the wall, has not been above taking a shortcut to win the match to hang on to the title. Yes. I think that's really interesting. I like that in this character. I do. I watched uh, Dark Side of the Ring. I watched two episodes. I watched the Chris Candido Tammy one, and then I watched the Magnum TA one. Uh, just see what they would do. And and I was disappointed in the Magnum TA episode. I think it needed another hour uh, to explain the feuds that really made Magnum TA. I know that this is a, it's a show for casuals really who don't watch pro wrestling, but it's marketed to the hardcores, which is weird. But you needed to go into the Mr. Wrestling 2 building of Magnum TA. And then you really, if you're going to do this, you're going to need Tully Blanchard's involvement and you're going to need to have to talk about the IQ match. They couldn't get Tully. So they did through the framing of the best of seven with Nikita, which is a great series. And, and boy, it's, it, it's, it's the epitome of we built all this just to get heat on that number seven match because Magnum goes down. Oh, three comes back, ties it. And in match number seven, Russian chain interference to get the pin. <laughs> they put the belt on Nikita when you think Magnum's going to win. It's the ultimate just, ah, uh, what? But at that time it worked, but it was like 57 minutes of, oh, he could have been world champion. He could have been world champion. He could have been world champion. And then the last three minutes, oh yeah. And then he made something of his life and he, he, he remarried. And you're like, okay. It, it just, it felt very rushed. No, and, and every time they tell the Magnum story, too, it's like, it's always like he could have been world champion, and because he wasn't able to achieve that because of the accident, he failed as a human. <laughs> and there's, I, a, there's a little of that. I mean, it, it's, it's yeah. weird. It, it, this is a little different in that they Magnum basically says, 
well, I was planning to retire. I was going to have my run with the title and hopefully retire by 30. Ha 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 ha. Everybody was delusional about retiring at 30 back then. But at the same time, there's also that knowledge in the back of my head that Dusty never pulled the trigger that first time. He always wanted the heat. And so when they tell you, oh, Magnum, they had agreed with the NWA that 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 Magnum was going to get the title, I could just see Dusty going, well, you know, the, the money's in the chase here. Daddy, so that... I, I see you chasing this title until 1989, <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> I, I am still convinced that Vince would have eventually poached Magnum. I, I do. I think because every, everybody... Everybody that Dusty pissed off went up and had a run with Vince at some point. So I just assume Magnum would have as well. Uh, your turn, sir. Mm, okay. All right. Um, I guess let's go over NXT, and I'm just going to read results and see if there's anything that I should circle back and watch. Is there, Jeff, before I, before I read and use my eyes? There was some amazingly bad stuff on this paper, on this show. Uh, Baron Corbin fights Trick Williams, I'm reading. Yes. Um, Mm. There was a lot of main roster also ran involvement on this show as well. Uh, The best feud going right now, Chris, you're not on Twitter, so you can't watch any of this. But there's there's an account called at Chef Reactions where he judges people who cook food. But one of the videos he started on was Baron Corbin cooking steak. And he's obviously a big wrestling fan. So he's been retweeting clips, just talking smack about how bum ass Corbin has, has terrible gear and he sucks. And it's, it's genuinely hilarious. It's one of my favorite things on, on the internet, but yes, Baron Corbin showed up. Uh, he was originally going to fight Ilya Dragunov and then Dragunov got taken out by Braun Breaker and so Trick Williams and at and, least the Braun Breaker Ilya Dragunov feud shows promise, but like, dude, literally everything else I'm reading on this show, it's why would I circle back and watch this? Um, I will tell you to watch something amazingly bad. Sure. Go watch the vignettes between Robert Stone and Von Wagner. Oh, well, you you know you know that when we get to year's end and we we're talking about my favorite series of promos that you I will love this. I love, no, I love the this Von is, Wagner, Robert Stone. Stuff. This is, it's but it's the, crap. But, it's but what this is, shit. what this is, is this is, uh, they have, they have transported themselves into Keanu James's world where, where it's porn without the sex, but everything's foreplay. So they're going to individual, like, you know, psych- I mean, if you think about the Robert Stone, Von Wagner thing, when like stone says, I still don't know you, Von Wagner. There is a little bit of tension there, There Jeff. is a tension there. But, yeah, but, yeah, let's but get into it. They're shopping psychologists or psychiatrists. And they go to, to another, to go to like a third or fourth one. And a guy comes out crying. And number one, the, the, the exit to most psychiat- psychiatrist rooms uh, is on, they have a separate door for people leaving versus going through the waiting room again so that you don't have to deal with that stuff. But, um, but they go and he's just done with this whole thing. And then he sees the psychiatrist who is Chris, a smoking hot blonde that looks a little bit like uh Harley from AEW and he, and stone offers to go in with him, but he turns and goes, no, I oh, got this. Wait, and, I have seen this. Seg. I did see this. Seg. And no, he th- winks yeah. and gets the sound effect. Chris, this is all stuff. To... He's been turned. <laughs> 
I mean, and this was, you know, this everyone was a knows gay relationship, best... and now he's going straight. This is what this is. Oh, oh this is conversion therapy. This I is see. conversion therapy, <laughs> exactly. And as we all know, the best licensed psychiatric therapists also routinely have sexual relations with their patients. So Always. This, this, this red is extremely plausible and good. This is plausible and good. Uh, the uh, uh, man, the, the the battle royal was amazingly bad. Um, it also had Dana Brooke in it to try because because there there are three main roster talents who are now rehabbing. Poor Dana Brooke, she'll never figure it out. I just boy, but she's a gamer and I like her. That's, I know, I really really like her too. I I want her and Thea Trinidad to become buddies on screen. You mean Thea Hale? Yeah, Thea Hale. They just they get and, and like as, they, as opposed yeah. to. I don't. I don't think uh, Thea Trinidad, who is, I believe, isn't Thea Trinidad the same as uh, Zelina Vega? Oh, I thought that was. I thought that was Thea Hale, and they changed her name. Or no, 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 no. Thea Trinidad is somebody else. Thea Trinidad. Oh. Okay, uh, never mind. But we'll, okay. we'll skip it. No, that would be great too. I because look, I'm. I'm going to say this, Chris. I love Thea Hale. I, I, I don't do. think she's right. much of a wrestler, but she is an amazing gimmick. She is just. I mean, and I say this every week because she is just over the top, but always on. And they they brought out the uh, the Cavender twins, who are two of their big NIL uh, licensed people. They they are legit millionaires because they're hot blonde, mediocre basketball skills, but they're hot and blonde twins who do TikTok videos and stuff uh, to to carry her on the shoulder. So I think they may be coming a part of Chase U, even though they haven't started officially training with the WWE yet. Uh, but yes, uh, Thea Hale and T- Tiffany Stratton will be amazing promos, I think, in in more ways than one, and not necessarily good. Uh, but to get back to my point, uh, yeah, and and Mustafa Ali made his debut on NXT. This is not helping the show get back to the good old days. No, it's not. I'm sorry. I like I like Mustafa Ali, but like when you see Baron Corbin on this show as much as you are seeing it, you are either thinking you're watching a retro episode from literally 10 years ago now when he was on it, or you are looking at the show and going, man, what the hell happened to NXT? Uh, I am surprised you did not focus on Dabakato losing to Scripps. Well, I, this is a setback for my man, obviously. <laughs> but I, I feel like the rebuild's going to hold him in good stead long term. He lost term. to Scripps. Yeah, but that's because... <laughs> Scripps is more powerful now than ever before now that he's found the power of friendship with Axiom. <laughs> it's reasonable. The power of friendship. Yeah, you know, Daba used to have a friend. Where is that Stooge Apollo Cruz now? <laughs> Left him for dead. I'm a stooge. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, yeah, that was great. But, yeah, NXT was, uh, was dreadful. Um, no, it, it, it's... It's tough, like, you know, when, when we do, like, the full recap here. Dynamite, for me, is the one program, to maybe the shock of some listeners, it's the one program that I basically mostly watch, unless there's, like, a dead segment or whatever that I don't care about. I put that on, watch the whole episode, no problem. It's the Raw NXT SmackDown Digest that I really have to, like, read the cards, yes. scan through the video, because I am not going to sit. And I'm sure as hell I'm not going to watch any of this stuff live. Three hours of time on Raw is a little No, it, it's it's wasted. It, it's, it, it's so I much. I put it on the next watch. day in the background while I work, and if I hear anything good. And, 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 and you know, the Cody Dom segment was great, I thought. that That's worth seeking out, I think. 
But yes, no, Raw's really put me into a circle back routine, a next day circle, and not even a, when the show's better, it's a later that night circle back. Like, I'm actually interested, I just don't want to watch it with all the commercials in it or whatever. But uh, like, when it's kind of like dull, I it's a next day or even a day later sort of circle back for me. I'll end my rundown. I have a couple of quick notes, and they're both uh, women's wrestlers, and I don't feel like I'm giving them the short shrift on this by doing this, but it's just, I'm, I, they're just quick thoughts I don't have a lot of expounding on uh chelsea green is a fantastic stooge she got the crap beat out of her by becky lynch uh during that uh during that uh uh sonia deville match becky goes out there and just bodies her against against the uh against the uh uh yeah well she's the, underrated the I, I agree with you no, the rail just I mean, gamer man. Her her character stinks right now. Uh, I I miss kind of the the I I, I miss the uh the the whatever mess Laurel Van Ness. I thought that character was brilliant. This character where she's just basically a Karen is garbage, but she's game and and she's just and and she will lay her body. Down. I think she's great. And I am a little fascinated. I have not watched Impact in a while but I think I need to at least watch some clips. Uh, Rosemary is no longer Rosemary. She is now coming out as Courtney Rush without the, uh, without the war paint and everything. And I'm kind of interested in that because I have, I've been a big Rosemary fan for years. I, I think she is someone who deserved a run on, at one of the two other companies and never got there. I've seen her. I've watched her just give her body up in small indie shows like Rise I am really a big fan of hers, and uh, I, I want to see what this character is like that she's playing right now. I think that's. I think those are both fair. Those are both fair points. Um, yeah, in particular on Chelsea Green. Um, I think, as I have seen her, obviously we're not seeing like massive amounts of it. I have had to revise up in my head, kind of where I grade her. I, I like. I didn't. I basically always had her kind of as like you know like the uh the cheap version of Britt baker sort of and like she's different they're, they're just different um and she's really talented in her own right uh yeah, chelsea's good i've uh, told this story good. before but the irony of that is that canyon seaman was at a uh <laughs> shimmer show or a shine show i forget which one it was in new orleans and he was scouting talent on wrestlemania week and i was there with him and the funny thing was we weren't sure if canyon seaman could tell the difference because chelsea green and Britt baker were a tag team Oh, sure, sure. And then he was looking at that going, well, I can only sign one of them. <laughs> and this was, this was, uh, this it's like, why do I need both of these twins? I mean, we were almost convinced that he thought they were twins. Uh, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, so you had two Brits or two Chelsea's, depending on what you thought of. And then they go, well, we only have the budget for one. So we're going to sign Chelsea type of a thing. Uh, anything else? No, that's all I got. Okay, cool. Then let's wrap that up. Uh, you can follow me on the Twitter at CrapGame13. You can follow just the show at Shake Them Ropes. Uh, I update that as episodes drop. Chris uh, has eschewed Twitter for eternity, or at least for now, and is only on the... E eternity. No, you'll be back. No, I won't. It's a dying website run by a madman who's an egomaniac and has serious divorce energy. I'm good. He's on Instagram, which is not at all run by a madman. No, Mark Zuckerberg. Energy. No, Mark Zuckerberg has felt human at various points in his life. This is Jeff. This is no, it, it, he's. I, I heard him. 
Yeah, I, I, I've heard him talk about how something <laughs> hurt him once because at the time he was human. And, and that, moments like that really, yeah, that's a real thing. And moments like that really resonate with me, Jeff. They do. Big divorce energy. At D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. We are part of Voices of Wrestling Network uh, podcast for every of you. Um, the flagship with Joe and Rich. Music of the Mat with our friend Andrew Rich. The good, the bad, the hungry. Open the voice gate. Whatever your wrestling needs. Uh, oddly enough, a second Voices of Wrestling Fight Game Media crossover this week as Joe came over to my neighborhood and started talking to uh, Mike and JD on their show over there. I am on the Fight Game Media Network every Wednesday, $5 a month. I do hot takes on Dynamite about 20 minutes after the show ends, and it gets released about an hour and a half after the show ends with Paul Fontaine. That's called the Dynamite Show. Clever marketing there. Patreon.com slash Fight Game Media. Chris does things like music and guitar lessons and Zuckerberg eulogy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, as we know, I, I run the Mark Zuckerberg fan account on Instagram. Be sure <laughs> that bad boy a follow. Um, if you want to hear me rant about something other than politics, or I'm sorry, other than wrestling this week, I actually did for the first time in like 10 and a half months. The last one was in August of last year. An episode of Don't Worry About the Government of Sorts. I don't know if it's fully coming back, so this is like kind of like a limited run sort of thing here if you go to patreon.com slash dwatg it's free to all you can go and listen to it there i i mean at this point if it the show was going to come back i would need to build a web page or have a web page built and i'd have to oh. like, <laughs> i thought you're gonna do a fallwell thing or a swagger thing where it's like i need 300 no, 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 people no 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 i i'm saying like the the web page <laughs> No, we talked about this the last time it came up on the on at the tail end here in the plugs. Like the webpage is lapsed. I mean, I I would need and you sent me a link to some or somebody reached out and said they would help me out. Yeah, they're still right. interested. Yeah, someone they're still interested. I'd love to have their help because yeah, no, I mean I'll find them. Yeah, the show the show, I mean, like right now it's just basically gonna be up on Patreon. Um it's kind of a limited run thing. I don't you know, I'm going back. People miss the show. I'm still going back and forth on how much I actually like how interested I am in getting back into politics podcasting, but I will say I did 90 minutes, uh, 30 on kind of like the last 10 months or so of my life. And then 30 on sort of my broad takes like philosophically on politics and then a little bit of current events and stuff. So there's no, like, no, like hard headlines or anything. It's, it's, uh, basically if you ever wanted to know what my takes broadly were on things, not like a specific issue, like, you know, so-and-so has been indicted. What do you think about that? There's nothing like that on this show. This, this is much more like, uh, well, when you think about politics, Chris, what does that mean? I sort of lay out some of those views on patreon.com slash DWATG. Um, if you are interested in the Jimi Hendrix camp, uh, that will be starting this coming Friday here, uh, running four weeks. I will be doing, there. it's $20 or 25 a class. Um, they're two hours a piece. And you can get the video of them archivally as well. So if you want that, reach out to me on Instagram. And of course, you can always get guitar lessons. And I'm 37 and I'm the greatest. My name is Tyler Fornis and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, 
the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voice of Wrestling Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.